0: Hi, and welcome to Kitty Talks, the podcast that shows you how to find and follow your purpose. I'm your host, Kitty Waters. I'm a serial entrepreneur and co-founder of the Network for Transformational Leaders, also the creator of Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours, Every week, I interview some of the world's leading thought leaders who not only share their life stories, but practical tips and advice on how you can become the highest version of yourself and build a life in alignment with your soul. Our mission is to inspire a generation of changemakers to follow their passion and purpose and make a difference on the planet. Be sure to head over to kittytalks.com and open your free account so you can see behind the scenes videos of our interviews and get your free Pearls of Wisdom ebook. Join our community of change makers, making a difference on the planet, making a a difference. Good morning and welcome to Kitty Talks. We share inspirational life stories that empower you to create yours. Uh, and today I have with me the lovely Laura Co. Hello. Hello. How are you? Thank you so much for having me on. I'm very excited to have you, even though you have a potential flash flood that could be happening <laughs> while we're talking.
1: <laughs> I'm just forewarning that if people hear a lot of rain suddenly, I'm safe and fine, but uh, Chicago's having a little weather warning.
0: Wow. Does that happen often?
1: We have um, extreme weather in Chicago. I think this is a, it's a great city, um, but people who are brave and strong when it comes to weather live here because it, it can, you know, from 95 degrees to massive you know showers or storms as people know in our winters are, are brutal <laughs> it's not for the faint of heart when it comes to the weather
0: oh well thank you so much for joining us um laura is a healthcare entrepreneur an author a life coach a mom and a yogi i love that i think that's gorgeous uh, <laughs> and she's had the most incredible uh life transformation which she is going to tell us all about but laura uh, for people listening can you just tell us a little bit about who you are and what you're doing in the world at the moment
1: at the moment, absolutely. Um, I am an author and a coach. Um, I run a podcast called The Art of Authenticity, which is is quite similar. We talk about um, how to have an authentic life, purpose, and meaning. Um, and um, I,
0: yeah, I, I, I wrote a book called Emotional Obesity, and I'm starting my next book right now. Oh, I can't wait to hear all about emotional obesity. That's a fantastic title. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> But take us back, Laura. So um, obviously, your life hasn't always looked like this. I know, you know, how long ago did you used to have your kind of corporate lifestyle?
1: Yeah, it's such a funny process and story that got me to where I am today. And looking back, of course, it's very easy to say, you know, it makes sense that um, I'm I'm here and the, the signs were always there. But I miss them, (laughs) but I was a philosophy undergrad and graduate student. I loved it. It was, I was not into school. I was one of those people who, you know, I couldn't wait for the bell to ring. I I just couldn't sit still in school ever since I was a child. And then I found philosophy and I loved it. I mean, I I had goosebumps. I didn't know what I was reading. It was such a passion. Uh, Before I I understood what the topic even meant, um, I'd read Plato in high school and I was like, oh my God. This is, this is genius. This is brilliant. But I don't even know that I got it yet. And so I spent uh, six years studying that in, um, in college. And then I went to graduate school. But I didn't want to become a professor and not to date myself. This is like the, the 90s, early 90s. And so there was no internet. There was no real way to explore these ideas in the now, the way that we can now with podcasts and writing. And, you know, it was just not obvious what to do. So I came through Chicago um, tail between my legs, thinking about what I was going to do with my life, and my dad and brother were starting a business. My father had a way to treat patients who have kidney stones to make sure that you never get them again. Uh, if you ask me my least favorite topics, I would probably say healthcare and um, business were at the bottom, <laughs> so here I am entertaining this idea of a business that's it about a topic that I, I don't read about or care about, um, but I looked around and I'm like, I'm 24, I could run my own company. I made a lot of reasons why this could work, right? And they're good reasons. I mean, anybody could look at that objectively and say, yeah, I mean, who gets that opportunity? And your father's handing his life's work and he's not even coming down every day. I mean, he gave us complete freedom. So my brother and I are, we're best friends, I'm 24, he's 26. We got this great opportunity to creatively build a business. Who passes, right? And that was kind of my process. And so in all of one or two hours, I made this life decision um, based on facts that felt, felt um, indisputably smart or logical. and And yeah, I was off to the races. I started a company that um, we built for ten years. And the killer was I was I was good at entrepreneurship, right? And I like entrepreneurship enough. So it really kept me there because I started having success after success after success. Um, but there was this sense, there was this way in which no matter how well things were going, I didn't feel myself. I didn't feel like my feet were touching the ground. I felt like I was playing a
0: role all the time, right? We would go to, would you say that that kind of feeling grew in you or was like a nagging doubt at the back or how did it manifest? yeah
1: it it started with okay, I think I can do this um and make myself kind of fit in and then it it slowly yeah it changed over time as the business got bigger we were we were now a not goofing around twenty four and twenty six year old which was part of the fun to me. We were now a serious business with fifty sixty employees wow. um you know we it's had yeah, we had uh, audits and banking meetings. And I mean, it was now the core business stuff going on all day long. And 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 so that started to build in me because the topics weren't as exciting as I liked building, I liked being creative, and that's what I liked at the beginning. But now I was running this, this large business re- requiring me to think about business all day long. And then when we sold the company, we sold it to a $4 billion company. Oh, we were part of a 27,000 person company now. And it was everything people talk about, right? We're in meetings and we have. Um, yeah. Wow. Yeah, all the bureaucracy that came with it. And it's like this, this feeling just was like water building up, right? It was just filling me from the bottom up until I felt like I couldn't breathe anymore. And and truthfully, I couldn't. I was having panic attacks. Um, I, I mm-hmm. was, couldn't sleep at night. I was taking ambience to try to fall asleep. Um, I had a young child. It was just. Everything was starting to come apart internally, despite the fact that everything externally was exactly where a person says they want it to be, right? High paying job, the child, a chocolate
0: Labrador. I mean, it just, it couldn't have looked more picturesque from the outside looking in. Yeah. And do you, you know, looking back on that now, like um, when you look back on that kind of what happened, do you think that that was almost like the universe, you know, giving you a sign to kind of say, "Oh, oh, go in the wrong direction? A hundred percent. And I, I think what happens is um when
1: we deny our truth, um, look that that model of an entrepreneurial life would work for somebody. And if I were to switch myself out, my brother, for example, was in heaven, he is a true entrepreneur, this was his dream. He wasn't experiencing any, any of these feelings. He was like, This is the greatest thing that ever happened. It's that I was trying to pick a life and fit myself into it instead of saying What is my life, the one that I was born to have, and how do I go find that out in the world? And so, yeah, I mean, it's it's. um, um, I think that you can take it for so long, and slowly over time, um, the internal need for your truth to come out, I think, Mm -hmm. gets more intense than your ability to logically convince yourself, right, that that this makes sense, or you can do it, or stop complaining, or suck it up.
0: Or whatever it is that you say to yourself and how did it um culminate like in my own experience I'm afraid it wasn't a very positive <laughs> breakdown to break through but how did it how did it yeah. um, have to come out for you
1: yeah so for you know for some people it's like they're going along fine and they and they're in total denial and then they uh, uh, like a switch flips for me it was more of a, um, a process where I found myself sort of compulsing and obsessing over this question and I kept saying, I just want something more authentic, authentic. And I don't know why that word really just kept coming up for me, but mm. I'm like, there's something off, it doesn't feel right, it doesn't feel right. And I was annoying my friends and my family, and I kept talking about it, and I'm talking about it, and I was just wearing myself to the like the bone. And and the truth is I didn't know how to think about it. I didn't know how to think about making that change because although I had a large education. Nobody actually educates you on building a life that you want. And so I was so overwhelmed and I was working so many hours. So it just became this incessant dialogue that I had all the time and it annoyed me and it drove me crazy. And one day I was, um, on an airplane coming home with my brother from a client site and my favorite new hobby was to talk about this topic. So there I was yet again, um, annoying my brother, you know, (laughs) walking through all my pros and my cons and, you know, my woe is me story and oh no, it's fine. And what should I do? And soliciting yet another opinion that I wasn't going to listen to. And um, he just looked at me, I think probably he was, he didn't say this, but he was probably pretty tired of hearing me talk about it. (laughs) But he was like, you know, the world's a big place, like you just move on. And something in the simplicity of Mm -hmm. that sentence like, broke me open. And I'm, I'm not a crier. I'm not somebody who, who cries. Um, I just started sobbing. I'm like on this airplane. <laughs> There's people everywhere. I'm in a business suit and I just can't keep it together. It was like, Ooh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I, need, I think I needed right? somebody. To, yeah. yeah, and somebody to just um, break down this endless mind chatter in, into such a simple point, right? Like, what are you talking about? You can go do a bunch of stuff, basically. And, and it was um, this freedom. It was a moment of, of like, consciousness that I hadn't had, awareness that I hadn't had. It all sort of happened in a moment. And I thought, I can do this. I don't know why. I just, I can do this. And I sat back in that airplane and I was like, what ha- I have been doing has not worked. I am white knuckling this and it is not working. Like clearly this is a bad strategy. So I had been reading and doing yoga and I started learning about self-help a little bit. And I thought, okay, I'm going to hand this over to the universe. I'm going to step back and I'm going to, I know I want to go, but I'm going to stop trying to control this and see what happens. And that was really the beginning of this journey
0: of really changing the way
1: that I interact in the world.
0: Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting shift, isn't it? Because I think we, you know, especially when we're kind of awakening within our consciousness, I think we, we are operating within the confines of the constructs. Of society that we've kind of grown into. And then it sounded to me like you almost had this little bit of an epiphany, like, Oh my God, of course I can actually not do this anymore. But you know, that may seem completely crazy because you've got all this, it's a family business and all this other stuff going on that you maybe even think you can't even step out of it. I a hundred, I, I mean, I a
1: hundred percent felt, and I think many people feel that, that their life is not really one that they can choose, that it's all happening. And how do you pull the Pull the uh, the cord. I met this other gentleman who had done it at yoga, and he was like, "Oh, if you can get off the hamster wheel, jump." And I just looked at him, and I'm like, "I know there's something in the way that you're speaking to me that I need to listen to." But mm-hmm. at the time, I didn't know how great of an advice that was. That if you can, you know, get mm-hmm. out of it, but it feels at the at the time like you really can't. And um, and I also believe that, you know, I thought I could control everything. I thought it was like I had to come up with the strategy and I had to figure it out. And I didn't know at that time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And so that wasn't the right strategy. I needed space and time and to step back and move out of the way and surrender, not push, 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 push. And, and I think
0: that was also um, in my way as well. Yeah. And one of the things we want to show, Laura, through these interviews, actually, is that people can create their own life, like that, they don't necessarily have to kind of follow that traditional path. But, like you said, when we step back, when we surrender, it actually creates space um, mm-hmm. for whatever it is that we're supposed to be doing to to come in.
1: Absolutely. I mean, you you know, most of us sit there and 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 talk it out to death, or you know, um, uh, like I said, get that pro and con list, or do something smart, or ask the a, opinions of others to get the approvals of others. It doesn't work like that. There's this deeper intelligence within us, our intuition, our deeper self that guides this process. But at that point in my life, I had no connection to it. I mean, none. It was was like a completely foreign space within me that I had to learn how to reconnect to first.
0: So how did you do that? How how did you go from obviously, you know, the family business, very successful selling the family business? How, how did you create space? And how can others do the same?
1: Well, so I can answer those questions. Uh, There's two answers. One is the way I did it. I would not suggest for anybody. Um, (laughs) I think I did everything the the hardest, longest, worst way, because I was figuring this out. And thank God for podcasts that you do. And um, you know the amount of information that's available now that people can can hopefully not do it the way I did it but I just made it up and i I recreated the wheel in every way shape and form. so what I did was um, I went back to that philosophy that I loved uh, and I started taking these um, bites of wisdom from you know the four agreements to Plato and I was hmm, implementing them in my life I was I was like my own little experiment <laughs> and so like the four agreements I did them I spent a month. Uh, implementing each one. Oh, no assumptions. Interesting. Okay. Let me go spend the day making no assumptions. Yeah. Oh my God. And I was like, this is impossible. I make assumptions every 15 seconds, you know,
0: humans are uh, meaning making machines.
1: (laughs) Oh my God. Oh my God. So I, and I just, I kept doing this until I started having breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough, which is what my book ultimately was about was this journey of, you know, Of how I walked through this process. But um, I started by um, doing exactly what I did that landed me in the company in the first place. I tried to think about what was the smart thing, what made sense, how to leverage my skill sets into my next job. Um, I almost took four jobs. I almost started two companies. (laughs) Thank God I had made one promise that I will do something that feels authentic. And so at least I was able to stop myself in the last moment, I would check in and say, this doesn't quite feel right. I don't know why, but I had made this commitment to myself and I would, I would, you know, quit what I was doing much to the chagrin of the people I was <laughs> aligning myself with. It was terrible. I I just didn't know how to do it. So I was doing it the way that I had always done it until, um, until I dove back into those ideas. And in them, I found the answers. It wasn't about finding the perfect job or getting my resume or thinking about the the business I might want to open. It was learning about myself and what makes me happy and what excites me and where I can put that in the world. And so when I flipped that process, I call it sort of like an inside out process. That's when everything started to click. for me. Yeah. It
0: sounds like you really had to kind of reconnect with yourself and your intuition and your inner voice.
1: Well, that's where the idea, <clears throat> excuse me, of emotional obesity came from, right, is I had layered up all of these um, thoughts on top of my authentic voice, and yeah, I had to peel them back one by one um, and and find my authentic voice, because the truth is, at that point, I couldn't really distinguish I, my thoughts versus myself. Um, if you had said, here's 10 things you just thought about, which one's your truth, I, I would have said, I i not like, I, I don't know how to even pick, like, how would you, how would you know? I didn't know that you had to find that sort of nuanced, subtle, deeper intuition, that, that sense to say, oh yeah, that's me.
0: <laughs> it's not just. A thought. Would, would you say that was educated out of you or when you kind of look back on that now, like what do you put that down mm-hmm. to? Because so many people, you know, myself included have the same experience. Absolutely.
1: I, it's not what culture teaches. I mean, just. Absolutely. Simply. I mean, my son is 11 and he's a master of it. Children are masters of this. Um, I always joke, but if you say to a child, you know, are you sure that you like pizza? Um, they'll say, yes. You know, and if you, you can ask any kid under the age of six, a question like that, three, four or five times, it's absolutely hysterical. The more you ask them, the louder they get, they're like, "Yes, I love pizza!" Like I love it. you know. And they start screaming, and then they get their body involved. They jump up and down. They're they're so enthusiastic. Whereas adults, if I said to you, "What was the last movie that you watched?" and and you told me, you know, I I just saw whatever movie and i and i said do you like it and he said yes i liked it and i'm like are you sure you liked it and if I, it's like how quickly could i instill doubt in your 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 sense that you liked this movie and there's um there's this way in which through culture we question ourselves because of quote knowledge and knowing and and approvals and you know fitting in and all these different different elements where we we lose our deeper self I I think it's, um, it's a travesty and nobody teaches us that it's important, right? I mean, unless you have a fantastic parent who tells you constantly that that matters. Mm.
0: So you, you took a couple of years. Did you to kind of get yourself realigned and work out what you wanted to do? I did. I, I wanted to stay home with my three-year-old at that time.
1: And he, um, I'd worked so many hours that I you know, really hadn't had much time with him and he was starting preschool. So that was a goal was to take a year to spend time with him. My friends are like, you're going to make it two months. Uh, There's no way like the Laura that they knew who was busy and running from thing to thing was going to sit home with a three-year-old. But um, again, going to that authenticity, I didn't think I could either. I loved it. Um, It, you know, it just spoke to me right away. I couldn't wait to pick him up my friends would offer nannies to go get him. And I was like, no, 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 this is why I'm home. I don't want a nanny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, I got him every single day and we had so much fun together. And in between I would take the time to um, do a ton of yoga, really reconnect myself. And, and um, yeah, I started the process and, you know, I had tried a bunch of things that didn't work. And one day I thought, you know, I, I loved philosophy. I loved writing. Let me just go see what this is about. And for anybody who's listening, who's wondering, you know, how to get started on something new, this worked so well for me. And I suggest it to anybody, just start with something small. Um, If you think you want to write, I went to a cafe and I just tried to write one page. That's it. You know, it doesn't need to be uh, signing up for a whole job and committing to a writing program for two years or something. I just tried to write one page and I sat in this cafe and the truth is, like it did take me eight hours to come up with one page. But um, when I wrote that one page, something really clicked within me. I was like, okay, well, wait a minute. This feels like something meaningful to me. I think I'm, I'm on to something, right? And so that was the real turning point, was um, uh, giving myself an opportunity to explore things that really weren't um, in my consciousness as options you know given my experiences today
0: mm. and did you find that like i think like, anything you know the more we do things the easier that they get like obviously you've written is it one book or two two books now no. I, i've written one i'm starting my second ah uh, okay and did, did that start to flow then initially it was you did it was a bit more difficult and then you know you kind of opened up the channels and uh, mm. more words come out uh, yeah, no, it was it was a process.
1: <laughs> At first, it was just painstakingly difficult. And, um, you know, I, I had to, it takes time to master something. Um, and I, I wouldn't say I still have mastered it. But I went from, I think I wrote about 12,000 words in the first nine months of writing. And then the next year, I wrote 60,000 words, right. So it it was um, something I had to build that muscle develop into. And, and, you know, it's, I think writing in particular is something you could spend a lifetime trying to, uh, to master, but yeah, I mean, you know, the thoughts in my head were getting in the way too the first year I was so hard on myself and I would, you know, give myself so much um, grief unconsciously, you know, you're not a writer, you don't have a PhD, what are you doing? Go get a job. Like I just kept running these (laughs) loops, you know,
0: because it
1: was so out of what I had expected
0: for myself that, um, you know, I had a lot of self-doubt. Yes. I think we all have huge amounts of self-doubt. So how did you conquer that self-doubt? And obviously now, you know, you're running successful coaching business, you've got your podcast. Um, How did you, it sounds like slowly, but surely you kind of, nope, we're doing this. Nope. We're doing this. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, In that process, I realized
1: that they're just thoughts, right? Mm -hmm. And by reading all the philosophy, it's like, they're thoughts. They're just thoughts. Why does it matter? Why do I need to listen to them? Um, Our brains are weird. They come up with weird things. They say strange things to us. They pick up so much information and they run them in the background like little tapes. It doesn't mean you have to listen. It doesn't mean it's true. It doesn't mean that it's aligned with what you want. And so I wrote this book, because I felt like that analogy was really true. Just because pie smells good, or uh, if I drive by a McDonald's, it, you know, or or alcohol, whatever it is, there's a lot of things that bring pleasure, um, mm-hmm. or you're drawn to, but it doesn't mean that it's going to serve you. And so um I started thinking of it much like a craving for a donut, right? Like, who doesn't want that? I'm not going to eat that every day, or I've got problems with my health. And so, these thoughts—they're just—they're happening. And I learned to not take them seriously. And I think that's the—the—that was the big breakthrough for me. Um, I, I think if you uh, think of your thoughts as you, and you are your thoughts, and they are serious, and if you're thinking it, then it must be true. You—you know—you've got a, a lot of difficulty because they're not. They're they're filled with fears and self-doubt and um, um, lots of real negativity, right? We're not very kind to
0: ourselves in our heads. We don't, no. we're not our own cheerleaders in there. <laughs> no, absolutely. Um, well, so I'm interviewing a lady called Melissa Ambrosini soon and she talks about mastering your mean girl. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I mean, it's,
1: it's there's so much negativity. I always joke if, you, if I put a little um, recorder in your head and I didn't tell you, um, but Kitty, I've been, I've been recording you for 24 hours without your knowledge of it. And I'm going to take your thoughts and I'm going to play them to all wow. of your friends and family. Right. Wow. It's my so embarrassing. God. Right. And so what is it with our minds that it's like, this is instinctual. Oh my God, what am I saying? This is, um, it, you know, it, it's not aligned with my truth. And so if I don't want to say them, if I don't want to share them, then I probably can't trust them.
0: mm absolutely yeah and i think it's getting to a place isn't it where we recognize them as thoughts because sometimes they're so ingrained that you know you're you know you, you catch yourself um and you think what am i doing you know but that's why they talk about this um the wristband thing don't they so because so you catch you actually start to become conscious and actually you start mm-hmm. to recognize it like you said and separate the self, the true self from the monkey mind basically and what the monkey mind is saying absolutely and it's it's um i
1: mean science has proved it there's this this great center at stanford that studies compassion and literally when you're thinking fearful thoughts this a part of your brain lights up and when you're thinking something compassionate another part lights up and the the amount that it lights up is dependent on how often you're using that part of your brain and so it really is a muscle the more you use it the more mm-hmm. um uh that part of you Becomes automated, and the more access you have to it, and the bigger the experience is. And so, um, the question I ask myself often is, What am I mastering? Right? What have I mastered this week? Is my mastering fear? Am I mastering self doubt? Am I mastering low self worth? Or am I working on mastering love, compassion, gratitude? Um, right? And the things that we're thinking about all the time is what we are slowly mastering. And it's, um, It's important to pay attention to those thoughts and and keep them aligned with with what you would like your experience in life to be because they create your feelings and that creates your actions and and those actions design your life. And so it really, they matter, uh, but you have to rein them in. It takes some work.
0: And it's so important, like like you sort of talked about designing your life. Like, I, you know, I truly believe that we are more powerful than we've ever been taught. You know, we are energy centers and when we direct our energy and have an idea about what we want to manifest and create in the world, you know, that energy can form into things. Um, So it's important to keep your positive vibes and your positive thoughts happening because they have an impact on how that plays out in your future. Absolutely. I mean, the amount of things that we're taking in in a,
1: in a given minute, right? The, the calculations are, it's in the millions. And so if you're focused on uh, looking for things to be grateful for, you'll find more things to be grateful for. Um, in fact, if you scan the room every day for three different things to be grateful for, it teaches your brain to start scanning for gratitude. <laughs> oh, nice. Isn't that nice? Yeah. And, you know, if you're thinking about fearful things, then you're scanning, looking for fearful things, and so you know our brains are really—they're um, our tool. It's like the car, it's the engine that you're driving, it's the boat, whatever the metaphor is that you you want to choose. You—you um, you are something else. You're deeper. You're the—you're the—the uh, driver of that. So if you're using your mind to manifest your truth, uh, then you can think of it as more of a tool instead of where the truth resides but i think most of us feel that our brains are our truth our thoughts are our truth and that's if you can if you can untangle that the thoughts are not really you that to me is probably the biggest step in the process
0: Mm -hmm. and i'm um, really intrigued laura because obviously um you know you're doing something the other side of the pond similar to what i'm doing this side of the pond um, and you've interviewed over 70 people i'd love to kind of know are there common kind of common themes, or what the what are the um, key things that you've noticed when you've been interviewing these thought leaders around how they've uh, transformed their lives?
1: Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, the stories um, are very different, and everybody's story is so exciting and and unique. But there is a throughput theme that I feel like, um, you know, maybe because I'm sitting through each one and interview, interviewing them one by one, I see it so clearly. But Um, if you check out the podcast, you can hear there's either two types and I interview people who are successful, but want meaning and purpose in their life, right? So not just financial success or they have uh, certain uh, awards or fame in their life. They also have to feel a sense that this is truly the life that I want to lead. Um, and so there's two types. There's one that I've had it from a young age, which is Uh rare, And those people will say, I had a great parent who really Mm. uh, believed in me and, um, you know, supported me and they felt like they started their life and they could do the thing that they were meant to do from day one. And, And they've always loved what they've done and they've just continued through that path. But that's so rare. Most of them, there has been a turning point moment where, uh, something felt off again they can't put their finger a nagging sensation it doesn't feel right they you know it, they talk like that um, and they make a change and when they make that change um, there's a sense that although they're working hard and it's difficult it's what they're meant to do and, and what makes them happy and um, and they don't use the word happy they say contented and joyful and um, purposeful because it's not a a flash of happiness. It's not a moment. It's, it's a real, like my life, even when I'm having a bad day, I really still like it my life. Right. Um, it's, it's a, it's a deeper sense. And they, they all, I ask everybody at the end, you know, this is the last thing, but they, what do they do to have that life? And they all talk about creating space, um, somehow or another, they journal, they go for walks, they do yoga, meditation, keto, bike riding. It doesn't matter how they choose to do it. But there's some way in which they reflect, take time to locate that deeper self. Ask themselves, "Is this what I really wanted with my day or my week? How do I feel about my life?" And so they can stay in a path that's authentic. Because even if you find what you love, it's easy to—I don't know if you've had this, but I find I'm tested all the time, Um, and I'm put in situations where I have another choice to make, and it's like part of me wants to sell out again even though i know better and i have to keep making these choices that are aligned with what i want Mm -hmm.
0: yeah i do think the universe like will test you sometimes how much you actually actually want something but um Mm -hmm. i do love the concept of of space um just like by the sounds of things all the people that you are interviewing have got balance in their life you know i think we're another thing we touched on you know we're so educated into thinking we have to work all the time and you know work hard you know to earn money and, and actually the opposite is, is true we can design our lives in such a way that we have balance that we have family that we have uh, we do have what we do you know in there but at the same time it doesn't have to be the sole focus of our lives so and yeah and how you define balance varies wouldn't you say i mean
1: it's mm, my balance isn't your balance Some people's balance is- they need fifty percent of their time with their children, and some people's balance is they love working hard. They they love a twelve-hour day. Um, they like getting up at five in the morning to jog. Um, that's not my balance,
0: right? <laughs> <laughs> but that's half the battle, isn't it? Working out what your balance and you what you, you want your life to look like. You know, if you, we get clear as human beings as you know what the ideal day looks like, and then take steps on a daily basis like you're doing to make our lives look that way.
1: Totally. And, and and then maybe it changes. I mean, I'm forty six. What I want today is not what I wanted at thirty five. And I would assume it's not what I'm gonna want at fifty five. And so you have to keep uh uh thinking through what that ideal life looks like. I have an eleven year old, but I'm assuming when he's in his late teens, you know, I, I will rethink what that day looks like. So, um it's it's a process, right? And it's it's like why are we not engaged in our own life and giving real thought to our own life based on what we want and what makes us happy, there's a way in which that feels indulgent or selfish or, um, you know, suck it up or why, why, why are we even talking about it? And it's absolutely the opposite. If you spend that little bit of time questioning yourself and your decisions and where they come from, how do you make these decisions? Is it coming from you or is it coming from uh, what you've read or what somebody else is doing or, some collective voice of people who who don't approve of you that you've decided you know um, you have to answer to in your mind, right? If you can figure out where that where these decisions or, originate from, uh, and they come from your deeper self versus those spaces, that's how you build a life over time that's meaningful to you and and starts to manifest your deeper truth. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much, Laura. I really know that your story is going to empower somebody out there listening. So really appreciate you Thank coming you. on the show and talking to us Thank today. Um, and for everyone listening, all of Laura's details will be in the show notes. So you'll be able to connect with her, find her website, look, uh, look up her book, Emotional Obesity. I love that name. I think it's fantastic. Um, but now we really appreciate you coming on and sharing your story with Kitty Talks. Thank you so much. This was an absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me on we will see you all again next week. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening to Kitty Talks. Be sure to head over to our kittytalks.com website and become a member of our exclusive club and you'll get free interviews and access to our private Facebook group. Exclusive webinars and secret success interviews. See you there.